Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. to the Big Red Bench and Cork's Red FM I'm Valerie Wheeler and I'm with you until 7pm and I'm very excited for tonight's show I have some amazing guests lined up for you if you would like to get in touch 086-8104-106 and you can tweet us at the Big Red Bench one of the greatest Cork ladies footballers of all time is heading down under to play Aussie rules Breed Stack has won 11 All-Ireland medals with the Rebels and she's off on a new adventure with the Greater Western Sydney Giants and she's going to be telling us all about that class move Cork Mogi star Laura Tracy and being a nurse in the front line and we look ahead to their championship which starts next weekend Cork GA chair C. Kennedy on the latest club fixtures and Cork GA and another terrible week for Cork City as Colm O'Sullivan catched up with George O'Callaghan as the Bows beat them 3-0 last night all this and more between now and 6pm on the Big Red Bench and Cork's Red FM Welcome along to the bench with me, Valerie. If you would like to get in touch, do so. Text us now, 0868104106, or you can tweet us on Twitter. It's a busy show, so let's first get to the latest sporting news around the country. Um, we're going to look at golf. Shane Lowry has shot a two-over-par third round of 74 at the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth today. That leaves the off-lean eight of 10 under for the tournament in a tie for fourth and four shots off the lead. That's held by England's uh, Tyrrell Hatton. Of course, Graham McDowell and Padraig Harris Harrington are both one under par after their third rounds. Also cabinated, Leona Maguire is five over par through 14 holes of the third round at the Women's PGA Championship in Pennsylvania. Uh, that leaves her seven over all round, 13 shots off the leave and Stephanie Meadow unfortunately failed to make the cut. Alan Brown has said that it will take time for the Republic of Ireland side to get over their midweek Euro 2020 playoff defeat. I'm sure a lot of us, it'll take us all a long time, to be honest, Alan. The Preston midfielder missed um, a penalty kick in their penalty shootout defeat to Slovakia on Thursday. Ahead of tomorrow's Nation League tie with Wales, uh, Brown says the mood in the camp remains pretty low. Sure, it does remain pretty low, unfortunately. Yeah, it's obviously, you know, heartbreaking for a lot of us. I don't think it's a nice way for any team to crash out. Yeah, we're obviously disappointed, but, you know, we, we took responsibility. It, it didn't go to plan in the game. I thought there was lots of positives to take from it, uh, and hopefully we can take them into tomorrow's game now. Stephen Kenny's squad did train in Abbottstown today with Shawnee Maguire and Daryl Hogan. Hargan, sorry, now part of the group. In rugby in the Guinness Pro 14 this evening, Munster host Edinburgh and that game is 25-8 to 8 kickoff. And in tennis, Polish youngster Iga Swiebentek beat Sofia Kennan in straight sets to claim her first ever Grand Slam title at the French Open this afternoon. The 19-year-old saw for Australian Open champion 6-4-6-1 at Roland Garros. Now, looking to tonight's show, it is a busy one and I I did mention that one of the greatest Cork ladies footballers of all time is heading down under to play Aussie rules. Uh, Breed Stack has won 11 All-Ireland medals with the Rebels playing centre-back and full-back before retiring at the end of 2018, start of 2019. She is a Rock Chapel native. She's in our Cork, lined out for St. Val's in this year's club championship, but is now joining the AFLW side Greater Western Sydney Giants as an international rookie. On the day it was announced, which was Wednesday, I caught up with Breed for her to tell us all about it. Let's take a listen. Breed Stack, first of all, welcome to the Big Red Bench and thanks for joining me. Thanks a million for having me, Valerie. Delighted to be on with you. Some amazing news was revealed this morning online and you're out of retirement and heading to Australia, Breed. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Um, I suppose, yeah, it's um, something that's been in the in the background maybe for a couple of years, but um, 
I'm in a position this year to travel. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I suppose the adventure that lies ahead and, and being involved in a professional sporting setup, um, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Have you ever been to Australia? Is this the first trip? Yeah, no, never been to Australia. So uh, we said we go hard to go home, you know, with the baby's first trip uh, on a plane. Uh, <laughs> so I'd say I don't know what we're in for. It could be 24 hours of hell, but sure, look, we'll um, we'll give it a go. Um, so yeah, I suppose look, it's a it's a, a brilliant opportunity to see a bit of Australia as well while we're while we're there. Of course, look, you are joining the Giants and to become a professional athlete. So can you tell us how it all came about? First of all. Um, so yeah, I suppose a couple of years back, um, I was chatting with Cora after a ladies football kind of do, and, um, she was just kind of throwing it out there. Would I ever have any interest in ever, um, traveling over? And I suppose at the time, you know, uh, probably it wasn't on my radar. Um, I knew I was going retiring and, um, I suppose I, I was looking to, to start a family and thankfully we were blessed with a little boy last year. And um, so as we, ha- we have a, a business as well, my core supplements um, out in Bishopstown. So um, there was a lot, a lot to consider. Um, but look at all, like I said, look at all kind of just, um, I suppose, lined up this year. And uh, thankfully Cork, my husband is in a position to travel as well. So uh, it just means it's it's, a, it's more feasible this year than, than it would have been in previous years. So um, we said, look, we, we'll take the opportunity and, and give it a go. I did see that Anna McConnell said that on, he shared that after three years of interest on their part, uh, you finally committed, um, committed. So has it been three long years that they've actually been asking you to come over? Um, well, no, I think it was only maybe uh, spitballing the first year. Okay. And then I was uh, the second year um, I was expecting. So I wasn't in a position to, to go over. And um, and then look this year, as I said, look, it all kind of it all kind of lined up. So um, this year, thankfully, it worked out. Well, look, it's a sensational move. And we're all very excited to see you playing out there. But on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you, Breed? Um, <laughs> I like, I'm definitely a bit nervous, a bit apprehensive, um, but you know, I'm m- more so than anything. I'm definitely excited, and as I said, I suppose look, it's an opportunity to get be involved in a professional setup. Um, I suppose you know, you think that opportunity has passed you, um, especially I suppose I'm in the the later stages of kind of my sporting career, and um, I suppose look, just to be given this opportunity, I'm extremely grateful and. Um, like just so so excited to get stuck into it yeah definitely it's so it has definitely I suppose maybe re-energized me um in that um thankfully I had a, a great career at Cork and I I I was very fortunate to be part of a very very successful team um so I was very very content in in my retirement and um, that I had achieved everything I wanted to achieve with Cork um so now you know it's I think it's important to always keep challenging yourself and try to get the best out of yourself and um Look, this opportunity has given me that and that chance. I mean, a new game brings new skills, Breed, and I see that you have been working with the AFLW here or AFLWL here in Ireland as well over the last few weeks, just trying to get the skills and figure out what you're going to be doing when you go out there. Yeah, um, so I've been working with my current for the last couple of months, and I'd say the first session he was. <laughs> I say he was ready to send me home, but um, like no, no, it's after kind of um, it's after coming along. Thankfully, in the last in the last while, and um, 
I suppose I was playing club club football as well, so you're kind of going from club into into that training all the time. So you know now to be focusing on it um, full time is great, and um, you know you definitely find yourself getting a bit more confident every time you go kicking. Um, and I suppose when I when we go over, um, we'd be going into pre-season and I suppose the pre-season runs from November until February. So thankfully there's a big window there as well to, to really improve my skills. I mean, everyone knows what you've achieved here with the 11 All-Irelands and the All-Stars and seven of them. But like for you, you're so used to being able to pick up the ball and play and you know what you're doing. So to learn those new skills, Breed, how frustrating was it for you? Yeah, oh, it was definitely it was definitely frustrating at the start. Like the ball just wouldn't it wouldn't bounce where I wanted it to go. It wouldn't just do what I wanted it to do. But um, look, Mike, in fairness to him, was fantastic. He broke down the skills to the basic level, and um, you know there was um, I suppose yeah, there was definitely a lot of frustration at the start. But thankfully, you know, through repetition, um, you know, it's it's I'm starting to get into the swing of it now. Um, so yeah, so look, it's it's great. I know I've plenty more to learn, and I, I'm well aware, you know, how much I have to learn when I go over. So I suppose the big thing is that I'm I'm very willing to learn, and I I, I do like to challenge myself. So um, I know I, I suppose I'm I'm looking forward to learning from Cora and Yvonne and all the girls over um, in Sydney. Um, to I suppose hopefully just improve myself a small little bit more. Uh, just as you mentioned, Cora, there, I mean, someone who you're big rivals with down through the years, and now she's recommending you to come out and play with her, which must be crazy for you to even hear. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that this plan go go well for her, but um, yeah, no. Like, um, oh, we'd be, we'd be good buddies in fairness off the field. I suppose when you play, um, you know, against someone for so long, um, you you meet on all star trips, you meet at um functions, and and you do develop a, a friendship and relationship. And I suppose you know she's a straight shooter, and I like that about her. And we we get on very very well that way. Um, so she's been fantastic. She's been a great help to me the last couple of weeks, and um, always touching base with me. And uh, I suppose, yeah, we're we're going to be teammates now. We we probably would have played together on a couple of All Star teams as well, you know, just for one game. So, um, looking forward to to being on the same team as her anyway, and hopefully not having to mark her too too many times a train. I mean, why do you think they have such an interest in Irish players? Why are they stealing all our players here at the moment? Do you think it's because you're you're probably ready made athletes? Yeah, I suppose, look, you're going in with, with good hand-eye coordination and you're going in with, with very similar similar set of skills, but um, I suppose that their game is probably, there's a lot more um, technical things to learn about their game and a lot more different, a lot different rules that you have to learn. Um, but I think it's kind of maybe the aggression that ladies footballers come out and play with, you know, um, they're very committed to, um, to high standards and all the girls that have gone over are, are coming from, from great setups and, um, you know, are, are great athletes as well. So they're athletic while having the skills, um, the skill set, you know, and it's, I suppose maybe it's, it's easy to mold that, um, into what they need then for, for the last bit of it, you know, so. I know a lot of players go out there for that season and then come home here for championship. I mean, Breed, we could be seeing you in a Cork jersey again maybe sometime soon. <laughs> you never know. I'd say no. I'm fairly cooked that way. But, um, like, I, I, you know, even the club girls were lovely, sending me loads of messages today, um, the St. Val's girls. And, um, you know, definitely looking forward to coming back and playing club football with them again. Great. It's it's such a massive move for you and your family. Like you're you're probably moving in the craziest of all times in 2020, in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, yourself and your husband and uh, your little boy. It's 
it just must be, it's just a, an amazing and an, impress, an impressive move. Yeah, um, I don't know if it's brave, stupid, but um, sure, look, we'll, we'll give it a go anyway. Um, yeah, like, I suppose the big thing is, um, you know, just to, to try to be as safe as possible. And um, I suppose when, when we do leave Ireland, um, you know, we, we will be quarantining for 14 days when we get over. Um, and I suppose then you're just immersing yourself in... Um, in the professional setup, you know, I can't imagine there'll be, there'll be too much gallivanting or anything like that, you know, so, um, look, that's what I'm going over for, I'm going over to play, and, um, and if we see a small bit of Australia while we're there, then great, but, um, I suppose, look, yeah, it's, I, I am very conscious about going over, um, in the middle of a pandemic, and especially taking a little baby as well with me, but, um, look, hopefully the three of us will, um, look after each other well, and, and keep safe. Has he ever been on a plane, great? <laughs> No, nope, no, nope. just, uh, I said, I'll just go for the 24 hour flight, you know, just to really ease him into it. Um, so yeah. And then apparently when you go over, you know, the quarantining is very, very strict over there. So I think there could be a hotel room for 14 days. So, um, I'd say we'll get to know each other fairly well anyway, um, over, over the next, uh, over the next while, but sure. Look, that's, that's part and parcel of it. Um, but look at something that we're, we're going to do and you might as well go, go all in, um, to try to get the best out of it. I know you're very close to your family, Breed. You are a close family. And how did they take the news? Were they like, no, please don't go. I can understand it's an amazing opportunity, but stay here. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, it, it took a good couple of months now, all right, to, to kind of, I suppose I was planting the seed a good bit back. And, um, you know, thankfully they, they've come around to it. But, you know, obviously they're devastated, like, um, to you know to not be able to see us every single week like we I'd see you know mom dad and and Cork's parents you know every single week so um that will definitely be difficult but I suppose thankfully we're going at a time where technology is king and you know the Skype and Zoom will be you know fit to fit to combust the computer you know over so and we'll definitely be be in touch a lot. Something that also amazed me Breed is look your little boy is only one years of age and you're back now after only a year and you're going to be playing professional and to be honest, a lot of people might say, oh, your life ends and you have a baby and you can't do this and you can't do that. But I think it's amazing to be able to show other people that life does go on and you can do something as amazing as you are and head out there with a baby and play professional sport. Yeah, um, I suppose, look, yeah, thankfully I had um, I had a, a very healthy pregnancy and I was able to train throughout my pregnancy. Um, and I suppose, yeah, I was able to get back to training um, not too long after after having Karakog as well. So um, I was fortunate that way. But um, yeah, I suppose, look, I was very determined to to make a go of it if I was to do it and to, and to go full full hog. So I've been training hard with um, Colin O'Shaughnessy from um, Elite Fitness down by the marina. So I've been training hard with him for the last probably two years. And um, and then I suppose I was club training um, during the year as well with St. Fells. So um I suppose when I go over, I, I'll definitely probably have to hit the ground running over. Um, but they're going into pre-season, as I said, so there'll be plenty of hard training probably when we go over. But um, it's it's good to it's good to have a challenge. And I suppose look, I, I'll see. That hopefully, I'll be I'll be able for it all. When when is the departure date? Is it set? Um, it's so the date's not set yet, but it's it's the first week in November. Um, I think you know Australia is fairly strict. They're just kind of allowing. Um, 
uh, two dates of entry. So the first week in November, which would be the uh, pre-season, and the second date then would be kind of our St. Stephen's Day, which allows for the girls um, that are playing inter-county, I think, to to come into the country. So um, I'm I'm hoping to go over the first week in November anyway. But um, I suppose there's a lot of logistics that need to be ironed out in the in the coming weeks. Does it feel so real after being announced today and everyone knows that the phone must be going crazy? Yeah, I was I was definitely fit to throw the phone into the river there earlier, but um like it's um yeah, it's it's really, really, really real today anyway with the announcement and um I suppose, yeah, there's a, a big realisation that this is actually happening. And um, I'd say my mother is saying novenas since it was announced because I, I'd i say it probably has really hit them as well, how real it is, you know. But um, sure, look, it's, um, I suppose it's a short season in, in the scheme of things. Like, you know, um, we'll be back again in May. So, um, you know, I think it's important that, you know, we embrace it while we're there and really enjoy it and go for it. Well, I think I speak for everyone in wishing you the best of luck. It's an amazing opportunity and we've had plenty of fond memories of you in the red jersey down to the years. And I cannot wait to see you in action out there. Um, please stay in touch. We'd love to stay in touch with you on the bench while you're out there and see how you progress and get on. Definitely, yeah. I, I, I'll definitely keep in touch, if not just to keep up the Cork accent, you know. I don't want, <laughs> don't want any Mayo infiltration or any, any Donegal infiltration coming on, you know. So... Um, <laughs> I'll have to keep up um, plenty of likes now, Valerie, as well, you know, like just keep drawing like in at the end of every sentence. That'll keep me going. <laughs> oh, Breed, thank you so much for joining us in the Bitter Adventure and the very best luck. No matter. Thank you so much, Valerie. Bye. Breed Stack on her new adventure to the AFLW in Australia and we genuinely do wish her the very best of luck. I really cannot wait to see her in action and that was Breed chatting to me on the day it was announced. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I was like, this lady is coming out of retirement. It's a big, big move but an amazing one which she really, really, really deserves. She's given everything for her county and she's won it all and she might as well go on and try and get something like this in the Greater Western Sydney Giants as an international rookie. So we're looking forward to see what she does. It's absolutely great. Now, this week on the Big Red Bench, we are gearing up also for the Liberty Insurance Senior Camogie Championships, right? Next weekend, Cork are in action on Saturday on the 17th of October. They're playing against Offaly. They're in Group 1 alongside defending champions Galway and Wexford. Um, 2017 and 2018 champions will have to play six times in eight weeks if they are to regain the title. The O'Duffy Cup Lee side for Christmas. Wouldn't it be lovely under the Christmas tree? During the week, I caught up with Cork Camogie All-Star Laura Tracy. Let's take a listen. On the big red bench, this week me is the Cork Camogie star Laura Tracy. Laura, welcome to the bench. Hi Valerie, how are you? Good, it's lovely to chat to you. It's been such a strange time for everyone. I think, Laura, you're a nurse in the front line. How has it been for you, first of all, working on the front line throughout this mad pandemic that we're going through? I suppose it's been the strangest year of all time. Um, like Valerie, it's nearly been a year since we headed off to New York. Like that's absolutely crazy. But um, I suppose nursing kind of kept me in some bit of a routine throughout the lockdown. Um, like we've been used to dealing with like hospitals and wards shut down with flus and stuff. So it wasn't anything too new um, in regards to wearing masks, using PPE and stuff. But um, it was like it was it was 
strange because nobody kind of knew what the outcome of this was going to be. Usually the flu season kind of comes and it goes, whereas COVID, it like, it was so unknown. So like so many people didn't know what like the long term effects of it were, how people were going to react to it and stuff. So I suppose it was, was really strange. Um, but it, it did keep me um, in some bit of a routine throughout the lockdown because I don't know what I would have done if I had to start working from home and stuff like that. Um, but we were just being extra careful inside and work. We wear masks, we check people's temperatures and we ask them the, the usual kind of questions that everybody's being quizzed about at the moment, whether they've been traveling abroad and stuff like that. So little few changes all right inside and work. And it has been really strange, but I suppose it's just something that everybody in the whole country has had to adapt to really. I know you're in a clinic and you're probably in a very important clinic for a lot of women. You are in CUMH and you're in the cervical screening center. Isn't that right? Yeah, so it's called the Colposcopy Clinic. So we actually never shut um, compared to like things like breast check and stuff. They would have kind of shut throughout the um, whole pandemic. But um, yeah, I'm working in the Colposcopy Clinic. It's actually based in St. Finbar's, but it's under the maternity hospital. Um, and it's great there. Like it suits me down to the ground. Um, it's an area that I didn't really know too much about until I landed in there. Um, I'm specialising in the course in there at the moment and stuff. And then the hours suit me with Komobi wise down to the ground. I don't need to work weekends. Um, I usually work from about half seven until six in the evening. Sometimes you can run a little bit over, but I usually make training on time and I don't do any night shifts. So well, like I'm enjoying it and it also suits my um my camogie career as well. So um it's a win win really. <laughs> Look, it's a, it's an amazing part of the hospital to be in. I think a lot of women should take it seriously when it comes to cervical checks. I think that it might have scared a lot of us down through the years when people are unaware when you come to twenty five years of age you're going in. I think there's a bit of a taboo about getting it done. Yeah, absolutely. And I just turned 25 this year. And I suppose like it's something that I wouldn't have known too much about until I got into the area. And the importance of it is <laughs> way, way up there. As in, I was like, obviously, I've been letting my friends know how important it is and the effects of that if you did get a positive smear, what would happen then after that and stuff. Um, and I suppose like cervical check as a whole um, is trying to make it much more common, much more normal thing. I suppose people are kind of scared to go for smears because they don't know what the outcome is. They don't like like having the procedure and stuff done. But absolutely, um, screening's there for a reason. It's there to save lives at the end of the day. So, uh, And it's a free service. So, um, no, we should all avail of it. It's great. And it's amazing the way you can talk about it so openly. And hopefully people listening might, you know, might give them the push or the shove to go in and get theirs done. Um, you probably did make the decision to kind of slow down a bit with your nursing career. I think it was probably important for your own health, Laura, just as much as, you know, the sport. Yeah, so in my nursing kind of career, when I graduated, I went and I worked in the Mercy um, in town um, and I was there for the bones of, was it nine, ten months? And I just could not seem to find the balance between working in the Mercy and um, like trying to train, trying to play games, trying to get rest, recovery and things like that. It was working the shift work really killed me and the nights on top of it. Um, was just it just wasn't really possible. So after about nine or ten months when I was working in the Mercy, then I decided to go agency nursing. So I suppose I was leaving a full-time 
job, um, the permanency of it. And I took the risk and I went to agency nursing. And I suppose at the moment with the lack of nurses and stuff in the country, um, there was plenty of work for me there. And I ended up falling then into like an agency agency shift um, in the colposcopy clinic. And I worked there maybe two, three days a week and then worked an extra day maybe somewhere else, maybe if it was back in the Mercy or the CUH or wherever. And there was a job opportunity then came up in the CUMH in the colposcopy clinic and it just really suited me and it was an area I actually found myself being interested in so I ended up falling luckily into that kind of a job and I suppose it just suits me down to the ground now. Yeah look you can tell you're extremely passionate about it and it's great and I can't imagine I think we all take leaps and jumps when it comes to career but you know it's a scary one leaving a full-time job to go I don't know what's going to happen but your own health had to come first, I think, as well. But it's important that you have the time for sport. Absolutely, yeah. Like there was a day there where I um, had done four night shifts and we were playing Galway in um, the National League and I had two hours sleep and off I went then and played the National League game inside in, um, in Castle Road in town. And it was at that moment of time I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I remember I was marking Ailish O'Reilly and I was like, I was like, Ailish, I actually can't do this anymore. I ended up talking to her through the game, being like, okay, it's time something changed or whatever. And I'd know Ailish throughout like the years of playing against her and stuff. And um, I'd say she thought I was absolutely mad, but I was just running on whatever adrenaline I'd left. And it was that moment where I was like, look, it's time to make a change. I don't want to give up sport, obviously. For work, I need to find a way to balance both. And I managed to do it, luckily. Yeah, no, it's great that you have managed to do it. And I think this year has been strange for everyone. I think physically and mentally, it's been emotionally draining for everybody. But not only did we get hit with the pandemic, but then we couldn't do sport and stuff. How did you find the lack of maybe training and sport for the first couple of months, Laura? It was crazy, Valerie. Like as in, thinking back to March, I remember our last training session with Cork was inside in Parky Cueve. And like we were like, okay, look, we'll be back now in about three or four weeks. And obviously things got worse and more worse throughout the country and more things got shut down. People started losing their jobs and everything. And I think in like the really, really in the midst of it, in around April, kind of May time, I remember just sitting down and I was like, there's going to be no sport played this year. I'm going to have to try and accept this, you know. Um, Like, how is this going to be a case that we're going to actually play some sort of a championship this year? I just didn't know how that was even going to happen. And I suppose then as numbers started to drop and, like, people started to kind of learn how to deal with it and masks became, like, a thing that you had to wear all of the time indoors and stuff. And all the new guidelines and procedures and things that we were following in the country suppose it kind of opened things back up again and we got that little bit of hope and we started playing with our clubs and I was still kind of like I wonder will there be a senior like inter-county championship go ahead this year I really wonder and I suppose the club kind of scene really it, it gave a huge positive effect to not only like the players involved but everybody watching families like the older men and women who used to go to all the games or whatever and it was so positive that it came back I think it really gave everybody a lift and players included a lift and I suppose we're lucky enough at the moment that the numbers and um, the guidelines in place at the moment are going to allow us to go ahead with the with the county 
inter-county championship and hopefully like fingers crossed that it will be played throughout this calendar year in 2020. Yeah yourself I mean personally and professionally you are a nurse are you happy to see it go ahead? I think that at the moment, everybody's doing their very best um, in and around our scene. I know um, with Paddy and um, all the lads and all the girls, in fairness to them, we're trying our very best to like keep COVID out of our, our group of players or whatever. And I think once everybody tries their best, obviously nobody can be ever blamed for picking it up. And once teams across the country are trying their best and like the numbers don't start soaring up and we don't move to level five and things like that, I'd be happy to go ahead with it. I think like we're outdoors all of the time. Um, I know inter-county scenes, we are allowed to start using changing rooms. But at the moment, it's something that we in Cork and haven't decided to do just yet. Um, we're just being extra cautious. And as long as everybody is adhering to the, to the little rules and the guidelines and things that are put in place by the government, I think we just kind of have to go with it and trust that the guidelines and NEFIT and um, the government are making the right decisions for everybody involved. So, yeah, I think just go with it. And um, I do feel safe enough playing at the moment. Yeah. Great. And I know Cork are back training. You yourself, you're carrying a little injury. Yeah, I'm not a great, I'm not the best um, patient, to be honest. Um, yeah, I picked up um, a hand injury. I actually broke my hand in the second round of club championship, which saw me not playing any more club, which was devastating because um, it was a year that like you were able to give everything to club and it was it was really, really disappointing. I think we had done so well with Killa last year and we got to a semi-final playing in Ascara and it went to a replay and we had really grown and learned a lot from it and we were kind of hoping that we'd bounce back and do a bit more this year and I suppose my injury then didn't help and like there was footballers who were playing week in, week out and like little things like that obviously couldn't have been controlled in the year that it was. But um, yeah, I broke my hand in that club game and I'm still not back fully training with Cork yet. Um, I've been training closely with um, last year's strength and conditioning coach Martin O'Brien and this year's strength and conditioning coach Owen um, at the actual sessions. And then I'm just doing my own gym work and stuff as much as I can. Um, and I'm hoping... Um, it's all going well so far. It's been slow and it's been tiring, but um, I'm hoping that I'll be back for the second round against Wexford is my aim. Um, fingers crossed. Great. You seem to be right on track, though, in fairness. You're missing the first round isn't too bad. You know, we'd love to see you in action at some stage. And you are due to kick off next week, um, of course, against Offaly. How do you think? You've got Offaly, Wexford and Galway. You've um, yeah. a decent enough group to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's going to be a really interesting championship, I suppose. Not many teams know too much about each other. Um, like, I would know Meg Farrell fairly well from um, Kilkenny, and I knew she was going to be taking the year out to do some travelling and stuff. But obviously that was all postponed, and I actually met her in Cork City a few weeks ago, and we ended up chatting for a while, and, like, she's back now, for instance, playing with Kilkenny. So you don't really know what's going on in each camp. Um, you don't know how hard people are after training over the lockdown. And like usually our um, stats man, Niall Collins, would have every game um, that Offaly have played throughout the year and we'd be analysing it. Um, and obviously we don't have that opportunity this year. So like it's going to be a really interesting one. And like one that I think everybody's kind of looking forward to now. Um, like 
it's been one hell of a year as in we went back training last November and it's hard to think that that's nearly 12 months ago now um, and we're only starting the championship but it's going to be a really interesting one and to finish it with Galway at the end I think um, that will kind of that'll be a nice one to lead into. Yeah, it's great. Well, of course, and I know that it was nice. I was speaking to Hannah Looney recently, and I said the O'Duffy Cup would be lovely Christmas present under the tree this year, Laura. Oh, it would be unbelievable. Like walking up the, the steps of the Hogan stand um, leading into Christmas, lifting that cup would be would be a nice little present, all right. But um, I suppose there's a long way to go yet and we just have to literally take each game as it comes. I know like that's usually the cliche thing to say, but we don't know what teams are going to be about and we don't really even know what ourselves are going to be about. I couldn't really tell you what... Um, team Paddy Murray is even going to pick for next Saturday against um, against Offaly in the first round and we have a lot of um, younger girls after coming up who have performed in the club scene and stuff so it's going to be really interesting and like there's a lot of um, places to fight for and stuff on that team and there's a lot of girls stepping up to the mark as well um, in fighting for those positions so um, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one but hopefully some silverware back um, back to Cork would be lovely for Christmas yeah of course, silverware and Cork for Christmas would be lovely. Cork, Camogie All-Star Laura Tracy chatting to me during the week for the launch of the Liberty Insurance Championship next weekend. We are, of course, going to be hearing from more on Laura on Tuesday morning about the dual star situation that's happening between the ladies footballers and Camogie at the moment. Libby Coppinger is on the way. She spoke to Jer McCarthy about the drama of the dual star that's happening this week. Also, we're going to be hearing from Cork Chair Tracy Kennedy and Colm O'Sullivan has the latest in Cork City after these. The Big Red Bet. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Welcome back to the Big Red Bench with me, Valerie Wheeler, here until 7 o'clock. Sticking with Camogie and Ladies Football, five of dual Cork players face uh, what's a disgraceful clash between Camogie and Ladies Football fixtures. Hannah Looney, Libby Coppinger, Fiona Keating, Maeve Cahalan and Kira McCarthy, who are the members who are on both Cork senior panels. Players of management are furious and rightly slow, so it's uh, 2020 and to be honest this thing shouldn't be happening. These players are willing to go on strike and sit the games out rather than choose to play. Ger McCarthy has cut up with one of the five girls, Libby Coppinger, on the situation. Let's take a sneaky listen. You will hear the rest of this tomorrow night on the bench at Roy, but let's take a listen to Libby now, Ger. One of the encouraging things to happen from this latest episode is that there seems to have been a bigger outcry than normal. Certainly on social media, you see the likes of Cora Staunton um, coming out saying, how are we still talking about this? It's a problem year in, year out. It's time for both organisations to come together, communicate and come up with a solution once and for all. We should be embracing our dual players and encouraging young girls to play as many sports as they want. And I think that, that really sums it up, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. Like, that's, like, that's the issue, you know, like, dual players all over the country, and, like, we shouldn't be making it an issue for clashing days, it's, you know, like, if you're able to do it and you're, you know, everyone is backing you, then why are some occasions making it the issue of putting fixtures on at the same day? Um, but I do think that's really encouraging from my side anyway, that, like, so many players are speaking out about it, and everyone's fed up with it it's like I know when I tried at the start of the week it was happening I was just like oh people are going to be sick of us you know it's our, our news and the headline again with the same thing and like to we hate it as much as anyone but it just it just needs to be sorted and it just needs to be agreed that it's not going to happen 
and actually, you know, move on from it and let's focus on the positives of our game rather than the negatives. Absolutely. I mean, focusing on the positive is something we all want to do, both for yourselves and in the media. But I'd ask you straight out, Libby, do you think this is going to get sorted? Are you confident that this, that the potential fixture clashes are going to be worked out? Like, I suppose you're always hopeful that we're, like that they're going to come to like a realisation that it's just, it was never a good idea and, you know, rectify it. But I don't know. I, I suppose we've been around for too long, like, as in, it did happen once in 2017 where I was actually the only one involved at the time, but there was a quarterfinal and a semifinal on the same day. And like that year we were told it was never going to happen again and here we are. Um, so I, I don't know. I, like, I'm always going to be hopeful that because it's not a, like, I don't know, we've been out about it, like this year has been so crazy and there's so many things that are out of our control, but this is such an easy solution literally just moving from one day to the other and we kind of can't seem to realise that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I am still hoping, though, because I never want to be in a position where I'm going to have to choose between the two. Like, I know the final was, like, we clearly, clearly love it and enjoy it and that's why we're putting all our time into it. Um, and it, like, you never want to be making a choice and, like, we won't be making it. You know, like, it, it can't come down to that. Um, you can genuinely hear the distress and the upset in Libby's voice that was Libby Coppinger chatting to Jeremy McCarthy you can hear the rest of that chat with Jert or with uh, Rory tomorrow night in the Big Red Bench also you haven't seen today Camogie Congress did um, try to add a new rule in relation to the dual player and that was defeated 76% voting against it I genuinely do feel really sorry for any dual player on this decision today um, I think decisions like this are detrimental to the game and keeping our games and girls from playing and keeping them interested. So I do hope something is sorted. And it's just disappointing. You can hear how, you know, upset that it's making these players. So I hope something will be sorted. You will also hear from Laura Tracy on Tuesday about her take on a Tuesday morning. You'll hear it on a podcast here on the Big Red Bench. Now, this week also the GA did suspend all activity due to the numbers of COVID. County finals around the country and county put on hold. And where does that leave us trying to reschedule the game? So... On the big red bench with me this evening is Cork GA Chair Tracy Kennedy. Tracy, first of all, welcome to the big red bench. Hi, Saturday. Delighted to be on. Tracy, it's, it's been a tough enough week for a lot of people. I think the news on Monday of the GA being suspended, all activity, um, it probably was tough, but it wasn't a huge surprise also. No, it was according to the start of our early evening when we heard all that was going on at that stage. You know, we felt that there was going to be something at least happened to us. But obviously a big shock on Monday when the games were postponed and probably something that has a greater impact in Cork than in any other county because we still have so many of our competitions to finish. We made full use of the club window and I suppose if we felt a bit disappointed then to be losing out. But at the same time, public health has to trump every other concern. That's the reality of it. And as there was a necessity to do this, I can fully see where the day was coming from, Alice. Yeah, I know a lot of people um, maybe play the blame game during the week in this situation, Tracy. It's not fair to blame the GA either because, you know, you can't man these sort of things. I think personal responsibility does have to take place at some stage. It does, absolutely. And I know it might seem as if, you know, one or two particular sets of celebrations led to that decision, but that was not the case. It was something that was coming for a while, and I think the GA had put a lot of thought into it. And there comes a time, as you say, when people have to take personal responsibility for 
all of us have to take personal responsibility for our behaviours and so on. And the GA as an organisation then had to take responsibility as well for ensuring the safety of its members. Yeah, we've seen those videos online Monday morning that did spark the outrage and it probably wasn't easy for Ian Cork GA to defend that kind of behaviour, Tracy. Well, I suppose I don't want to get involved in trial by social media um, and I don't want to be pointing fingers because who can say, I mean, if it was my club that had won a county final, can I be absolutely certain that those celebrations wouldn't have happened in my club? And no, I can't. You know, that's the reality of it. But it is a pity that coming after such a wonderful weekend of action in the Cork Hurling Championship, you know, and particularly after our best senior hurling final in a long, long time, it was a pity um, that such things did happen afterwards, you know, and that's unfortunate. With games being postponed now, what kind of a headache does that leave you, Tracy? I mean, you know, you've games left to play and you probably won't be getting them done before the start of the Munster Championship. So what is the plan? Yeah, so the club window ends this weekend anyway. That's, that's the end of the, the club window. The inter-county season kicks in uh, next week. So at this point, it's very hard to plan anything for definite, given that we just are in a time of such uncertainty as to when the J and the national situation will allow us to resume games. We have had only three of our 16 county finals or county championships completed. So we are at final stage in all of the other competitions apart from our junior competitions. So we still have quite a lot to do. The CCC met this week and we decided that we will review the situation. We will keep an ongoing review of the situation. And if a window arises that gives us an opportunity to finish some of those competitions we certainly take it but we're just going to keep a watching brief on the situation for the next week or two yeah definitely it can't be easy reschedule these fixtures when you don't have a place to put them and maybe COVID putting things on hold as well but no we are in the countdown to the championship Tracy and I know the inter-county games people are really looking forward to them and I myself and listeners do hope it goes ahead and I'm sure you do too Oh, I think we all do, yeah. Now I suppose at this stage we accept that it's it's going to be behind closed doors, but, you know, it's brilliant that the GA is streaming games and that, you know, games that are not going to be on TV are going to be streamed. So we'll get to see all those games, which is absolutely fantastic. And I think we are all really looking forward to that and hoping that the Inter-County Games give us that bit of lift as we go into what's going to be a really difficult winter for everybody. Yeah, no, today is Mental Health Day, World Mental Health Day, and I know that the GA and sport is a nice escape for people that might be going through horrible things, Tracy, and I think without it, I think a lot of people would struggle. There's no doubt about that, and I know how hard it was for all our members earlier on in the year when it looked as if we were going to have no games this year, Um, and certainly when we were allowed to resume games... Many people said to me what an outlet it was for them from a mental health perspective to be able to go to games or to be able to watch those games if they couldn't go. You know, obviously only small number of people were able to go, but to be able to watch those games is a great outlet. And I suppose that's another reason why we hope that the inter-county season will go ahead, because it is important for people to have that outlet at these difficult times. Yeah, I know. And a lot of things might change from, I mean, two team buses heading to games and only meeting three hours beforehand. But that's that's something for the managers, I suppose, to be looking at now, not you, Tracy. You'd want to be involved in that headache, maybe. <laughs> well, we all have to find ways to adapt at the moment, Valerie. And I'm sure there's no there's nobody more adaptable than our team managers and our players. And they will adapt to what's required of them. Obviously, very different circumstances for them. And, you know, even playing without crowds and so on, that's, that's a whole new scenario but um, it, it's still something for us to look forward to. Can you see the fans being left in at all at any stage? Oh, it's so hard to say at the moment. It depends on where we are as a, as a country, really. Mm. If we go to, to level four or five, there's no hope of it anyway, I would imagine. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but it's really hard to predict at this stage whether anyone will get to, to watch games live this year. 
And something that's new and different is the introduction of the new yellow slitter. I know we all love the traditional hurling and it'll be a big change for a lot of us to see that slitter, Tracy. I don't know how I feel about it. Another thing for us to get used to battery <laughs> yellow slitters, but I suppose it'll make things make it easier to see for television and the, the winter lights and all the rest of it. I know there are a lot of people who say we should have been using yellow slitters under lights for a long time now, so it's, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Brilliant. Tracy, it was lovely to catch up with you and I know yourself, you're a school principal. How are you trying to manage Cork GA and being a principal of school as well? I mean, you must be up to your eyes in it. Well, on World Mental Health Day, mine is certainly challenged at the moment, <laughs> that's for sure. It's very busy, but I'm very lucky to have brilliant teams around me in both um, aspects of my life. So I'm lucky to have lots of support. Brilliant. Tracy, it was lovely catching up with you and I'm sure we'll do so before the end of the year. That was Tracy Kennedy, Cork GA Chair. Tracy, thanks again. Thanks, Valerie. 15 sleeps, but who's counting to the championship? Maybe I am. Now we turn our attention to Cork City. Another rough week for them. And Colm O'Sullivan caught up with George O'Callaghan, Cork City legend. Let's take a listen. Yeah, so it's been quite the week for Cork City FC, both on and off the pitch, culminating in last night's 3-0 defeat away to Bohemians up in Dalymon Park. Um, in Colin Healy's first game as caretaker manager, Colin Healy appointed after Neil Fenn was sacked as Cork City manager earlier on this week on Thursday night. Now, there's been a lot of stuff off the field and a lot of stuff going on on the field and so on as well um, on the playing front Darrow O'Connor left the club during the week then behind the scenes there has been more talk about a potential takeover by Preston owner Trevor Hemmings there's going to be a vote on that by the Supporters Trust members later on at the end of the month but the big news was the sacking of manager Neil Fenn he left well it was officially by mutual consent on Thursday night and I'm joined now by a man who played with Neil Fenn uh, back in 2005 when Cork City won the league it is, of course, Mr. George O'Callaghan, Cork City legend and league winner in 2005 and one of the club's greatest ever players. Georgie, um, look at a Fenny's record, 22 league games, four wins only, four draws and 14 defeats. We all hoped he would do well, but unfortunately, it just didn't work out for Fenny. No, it didn't. You know, and, you know, I think we all had big hopes and really wanted uh, Fenny to do well. But, um, you know, like, football especially like in professional football it's a results business and, you know the results and the performances it just haven't been good enough and I think Neil and uh, and Joe will know that themselves you know and uh, I think they probably had no other uh, option just to you know to, to let the two boys go this week which uh, which is sad for the lads you know because I want to see nobody losing their jobs uh, especially like with everything going on with Covid and everything but uh, I think for the club they've probably had to make that decision uh, do you think it was the right time to make the decision? Do you think it should have been done sooner, George? I mean, um, it's now Colin Healy who's come in with five games to go, including last night's 3-0 defeat to Bowes. Um, so he has four games now to keep the club in the Premier Division. The way results were going, do you think maybe it should have been done maybe four or five weeks ago, or was it right to give Neil Fenn those extra few games to try and turn things around? I, I definitely think it should have been done sooner. You know, I think the writing was on the wall, really, the way the team were performing, and I think you could even see by like Fenny's body languages and interviews and all that. You know, I, I think you know he's kind of, kind of stuck in a situation where, that he couldn't really get out of. Um, but you know, God knows what's going on in the background, uh, Colin. You know, because you know that seems to be a bigger mess than actually the team itself. So you know, I, I'm sure Fenny will probably have to stay one day. But I think you know, whatever going in in the background and Fenny coming in, I'm sure he thought he was going into a completely different team or a different club. And um, you know. With what's going on, I think you know it's pretty obvious. Like from top to bottom, the whole club is a bit of a mess at the minute. What can be done to turn things around, George? I mean, like the club was on such a high um, going back 
two, three years ago, league wins, cup wins, a fantastic five years under John Caulfield. And it does seem like since John Caulfield has been sacked, that it's just been a, a downward spiral since then. I mean, they're now onto their fourth manager in 18 months with Colin Healy and his caretaker manager. Where did it all go wrong? I know it's a good question, but I, I think myself, definitely, the structure of the club seems to have really fallen down, especially since Coffey's left. Uh, I think the recruitment in the last few years has been pathetic, really. Uh, you know, I even spoke to lads, I tried to help them out, I contacted them about a, a few players where in the Premier League and with Norwich and with uh, Aston Villa, uh, if there's under 23 players, top players that they wanted to bring in for free for them just to come and play for Cork City for a year that's been watched every week by their scouts. Yet the club without sign players, you know, from non-league over in England, that was never going to work out, you know. And, and the alarm bells were going off for me as soon as that happened, you know. And I contacted them about those players, and then all of a sudden they're bringing in non-league players like on on these wages when they could have got players in that were fighting and wanting to have careers in, over in England in, in the Championship and the Premier League. Yet they're bringing in non-league players that never really works in the League of Ireland because the one thing about the League of Ireland, it's 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 not full of world beater footballers. It's, it's teams that have good team spirit. And, you know, they're just looking for that, like, maybe one a really good goal scorer or somebody that can create goals, and, and they all work hard. But, you know, the club really has fallen down in that sense. And, you know, the results and, and what's come through for the last few years really, you know, has been, has been shocking, really, you know, that, that a club the size of Cork City can't even, can't even get that right. Um, where do you think the problem really lies, George? Or, I mean, w- what can be done now to turn the club around? There's been a lot of talk this week amongst supporters, amongst ex-players, ex-managers, amongst the general public in the media about what's happening at Cork City on and off the field, behind the scenes and on the pitch. And Pat Dolan, the ex-Cork City manager, was talking about it during the week as well in the paper yesterday. And I mean, Pat, we know, is a guy, uh, you and I both know him very well. He's a guy who's very passionate about Cork City and very passionate about the League of Ireland. And he wears his heart in his sleeve. Uh, And Pat was kind of suggesting yesterday that that it goes back to the sacking of John Caulfield. um, that, That, I mean, things have been going downhill since then. So is there an element of truth in that and, and what can be done, I suppose, to, to rectify things now? I mean, Neil Fenn, unfortunately, didn't work out. Uh, where do we go from here? Well, I, I, well, 100%, I think, looking back, I don't really agree with Pat that, that, that often, as you know, but, um, <laughs> like, Coffey shouldn't have been sacked, you know. You know, I think he earned uh, to have, have a bit more respect, really, towards him, you know. He should have at least been able to see out the season and then they could have sat down and see where they went wrong and what happened, what way they thought the club was going. And maybe things would have been done in a better way, but the club probably needs a big personality to come in now, like like a Pat Dolan, you know, like and all those people not to come back to the past. But who, who would take this job at the minute, you know? And Colin's probably been put in a situation where he's come up from the academy and he knows the younger players, and he's probably going in because obviously he's a good coach, but it's obviously the cheaper option for the club as well. They probably can't afford to bring in someone. But um, for me, you know, looking back on Fenny, you know, I know myself as a manager myself. When you're a manager. I always say to people, you know, you start making really strange decisions and weird decisions when you're under pressure. And uh, I think Fenny started doing that, you know, and it's something that he has to learn for if he ever wants to be a manager again because I think when he sits back over the next few months, he realises, you know, he didn't make really strange decisions. There was nights there where we were at the cross watching the games, mm-hmm. Colin, and, you know, he's playing one up front and playing McGlade up front. Like, sure, he's only about five foot. You know, you can't really do that in the League of Orange. You know, they don't have the players to play off players like that. So, you know, um it's sad, really, but I think you know it's definitely a learning call for everyone in, in the whole club and people watching it, you know, because I, I think if they keep making these mistakes, God knows where the club's going to end up. 
Um, that's the, the question where will the club end up will the club end up next season in the first division or the premier division because there's four games left now for Cork City and four pretty tough games on paper Dundalk Tuesday night at Turner's Cross is a huge game that's Cork City's game in hand uh, so they're playing Dundalk on Tuesday they have Waterford next weekend then Sligo and then Derry on the final day of the season where do you see points coming from George because I'm looking at the table here they're two points behind Finn Harps they have a, an inferior goal difference to Finn Harps I think at this stage the goal is probably to, to get above Harps and maybe get ninth in the playoff they're probably not going to push up to 8th place at this stage so out of Dundalk Waterford Sligo and Derry where do you see Colin Healy and the lads picking up some points there well I, I think the worrying thing you know Finn Harps are, are used to including you know, and they're a really good manager Ali Hogan that's used to being in a situation so no doubt they're going to pick points up in the next 4 or 5 games um, I think if Cork City we would be hoping that Dundalk do a favour for him on Tuesday night because they obviously like have have a crazy schedule over the next month with the Europa League, so maybe they'll, they'll send out maybe a reserve team just to go in and get some games and just get that game over with, like they did last year when we beat them one 0 before their um, for our cup final. So I I would be saying you know and as I said to you this last week you know Pat Owen says the next game is always your biggest game and the Dundalk game is a target for them now you know if they can play a week inside and get a result there and then you go into a, to like the Munster derby against Waterford anything could happen if the lads are off for it but. When I look at the Cork City team last night, you know, I suppose you look at four or five of them, uh, definitely two or three of them will return to England. They probably can't wait to get out of the club, you know, because I've been on loan myself at clubs and when it's going bad like that, you're just trying to get the games over with. So it's just whether they're going to have that fight as a club and as players, you know, that they're going to do it for Colin, you know, and if Colin can kind of, kind of give them that enthusiasm that they need to go into games. But, you know, it's really worrying, uh, Colin, you know, because I really can't see them getting out of it, but I really hope they do, obviously, because we want to be going to the cross next season, you know, watching football in the Premier League, but it's a really, really tough job for, for Colin now and, and for the lads around there trying to get him out of it. It was a tough start for Colin last night away to Bohemians, a 3-0 defeat there. Um, I, I don't know, can you read much into that game? Bowes are having a very good season themselves, but I mean, is Colin the man now to turn it around, do you think? Um, he, he was a great player himself, he's done good a good job with the Cork City Academy, the under, underage setup, and so on. So is he the man at least till the end of the season, do you think, to, to do the job there? Will he Will he have the, the, the kind of, they need the bit of fight and the bit of, the bit of passion, now. will Colin get that into them, do you think? Yeah, like, well, the thing with Colin, you know, Colin's respected, you know, everywhere what he career he's had and you know he's done well with the academy I don't think you'll ever ha- have anyone moan about Colin getting a chance to go in probably apart from some parents who aren't happy if their kids didn't go through the academy but <laughs> I suppose like Colin he has the respect everyone knows what he's done in the game and you know what it gives Colin that, that chance to bring him through his ideas even though it's only like what is it four games left it's probably a bit a tough one for him because if they go down he'll be responsible and it'll be on his TV that they got relegated with Cork City so you know, there's a lot of pressure on Colin probably unfairly because really what can he do with the players? They're not his players unless he brings through a few academy boys mm. and they're too young. You look at the leaders in the squad, you know, Nult and Benno, you know, they're probably, they're probably, you know, wanting to take a backseat last year yet they're thrown right in the thick of it and they're probably kind of coming under pressure from fans saying they're not playing well enough and then you have Garrod whose injuries have been going through for the last year or so but there's really, really no leaders apart from that and that's worrying, you know, that's really worrying. You're looking for kids to come through and, and lads that know that they're alone and they're going, they're going to not be at the club next year to, to, to keep us up in the league. And, you know, it just makes no sense for me the way it's all worked out. But, you know, the club have got them into that situation and they really need to get themselves out of it. And looking ahead then, George, to next season, 
and who knows whether Cork City will be a first division or a Premier League club next season hopefully it's a Premier Division club um, and hopefully Cork City are, are, are in a much better position next season but the question is who will be the manager I mean if Colin Healy keeps them up is he in the running to be the manager there's been a lot of other names bandied about during the week the likes of Alan Reynolds has been mentioned quite a few times Stuart Ashton has been mentioned I've even heard John Caulfield mentioned Vinnie Perth has been mentioned he's out of work he did a good job at Dundalk last season um, Like, who do you see possibly coming in and taking over for next season I think when you look at it uh, Colin you had Fenny Tim in you know young young manager you know has this style of play that Evan thought he had and he's probably coming to a club where he's thinking he's coming into the same situation that John Caulfield had but there must be so much going on behind the scenes and I think if anyone went into that club blinded um, I think no way would if anyone had a bit of cop on and had a, had a like a managerial career same as Alan Reynolds or, or Caulfield again or Vinnie Park I don't think they would touch it because you're coming into a no-win situation and it'll probably all blow up and they know that so they're going to find it really hard to kind of get an established manager unless they're really desperate for the job or somebody desperate just getting back into football. But I think anyone that has some sort of CV will probably look elsewhere at the minute. And, uh, you know, if Colin keeps him up, he's going to be a hero. Um, if they go down, he's still a hero, Colin, because you know, he's well-loved all around Cork. But I think um, for Colin, we don't know whether he wants the job in, in, in the long run. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the club are going to do on that side of things. You know, I think you know, I've often mentioned stuff to him. I said it to him 18 months ago. I said it to him. I said it to him about six months ago. I told him what was happening, but nobody really wants to listen. And they kind of, they kind of want to be portrayed like a social media club. You know, you look at them; they're all there in their suits in a match. There, there's more people in suits in a match than Torrance Cross than there is at Chelsea or Arsenal. So, you know, I, I honestly think there's, there's big problems there, and it needs to be changed and needs to be addressed. But I just don't know who's going to do it or who's willing to step away. Because if you're a fan and you're running the club now you're probably better off standing going away from the club if you love it rather than having the attention of being involved and being a part owner like they love to call themselves. So I don't think it works that way. I think they should let the club, you have to look in the club's best interest and I don't, I don't think that's happened from the board in the background and I think that's why it's been suffering on the pitch and they've just made the wrong decision really and it's been the wrong time to bring Fenny in and Joe in. So, you know, it's just not working one bit whatsoever. Right, that was of course Roger Callan chatting to Colin O'Sullivan, the Cork City situation. You can catch the podcast of the Big Red Bench tonight if you missed out on any of the chat with Colin, if you missed out on Breedstack earlier on her move to the AFLW, great rest, greater Western in Sydney, of course. Um, I'll be back next Saturday from 6pm, but Rory's back tomorrow night from 6 and he'll have plenty of action for you on the show. Stevie G is on the way to bang out some tunes for the night. That chat to you all next week. Thanks for listening. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.